0: This is the Truth Hurts Program with your host, Steve Z, telling it like it is. Welcome back to the Truth Hurts Program. A while back, I mentioned to you how the idea of communicating verbally by using words and sounds is meant to paint a picture inside of your mind, to put a portrait there for you to imagine to set the scene for some heart-wrenching or heart-warming story that will pull at your heartstrings. One such story was written by a very liberal, progressive, pro-illegal immigrant invasion point of view. I'm going to read parts of it to you, and I'm going to interrupt throughout because I want to make sure you understand what the liberal, mainstream, progressive, leftist media is trying to do to your mind in order to trick you, to guilt you into accepting the hundreds of thousands of illegal invading immigrants into the United States. If you think inflation is bad now, pile another hundred million people into the country over the next five years with our strained resources, our limited supplies, our high unemployment, and our high prices. Not to mention myriad government handouts and welfare programs going to people who refuse to work or are incapable of working for this reason, that reason, or the other reason. This article begins, When Maria stepped off the bus in late March, her three-year-old daughter in her arms, her stomach dropped. The men waiting wore Mexican uniforms. U.S. officials had sent the Honduran mother to Tijuana, Mexico days earlier Maria had allegedly crossed the U.S. southern border illegally some 1,500 miles away near Hidalgo, Texas, where she was going to seek out the Border Patrol and ask them for asylum. The agents told her she was being sent to another state to make her claim, or so she told the LA Times. Instead, they put her on a plane to California and expelled her and her daughter to Mexico under a Trump-era pandemic policy known as Title 42. President Biden chose to continue the policy, which indefinitely closes U.S. borders to non-essential travel. I'm going to stop for a moment. Did you see the picture they're painting? This woman, Maria, stepped off of a bus in late March with her three-year-old daughter in her arms. They failed to mention that Maria is an illegal invading immigrant. Her stomach dropped because the men wore Mexican uniforms. Guess what? Your ass is in Mexico. You're not illegally crossing into the United States. Sorry. U.S. officials, the article continues, said U.S. officials sent the Honduran mother to Tijuana. Like, there was something bad in that? We should ship every one of the illegal invading immigrants back across the southern border. If Mexico let them across on the south side and let them cross all across their country of Mexico we should jam their asses back over the Mexican side of the border and let Mexico deal with them. If they were truly fleeing hardship and political pressure and economic problems in Honduras, the next nearest country is Mexico. That is where they should seek asylum. You don't cross one to get to another. Sorry, Maria, that's illegal. You are a criminal. And by default, You have branded your three-year-old child a criminal as well. The article continues. I was only told that I was going to another state where I was going to apply for asylum, but they didn't tell me more than that, Maria said. Hiding in a shelter in Tijuana, she asked that only her first name be used. This is traumatic that they do this to us, she said. It's not traumatic. Traumatic is you trekking your ass across Mexico with a three-year-old female child in your arms coming here illegally to the United States of America. You weren't fleeing problems in Honduras. You came here at the open invitation of Grope Joe Biden and camel toe Harris in exchange for your Democrat vote in the future. Don't lie, you liar. Biden has criticized Donald Trump's quote unquote, cruel immigration policies and vowed to undo them. Yet amid a sharp increase in migration to the Southern border, In his first four months in office that has topped records, his administration has managed to keep the cruel immigration policies called Title 42, one of the most restrictive border policies ever implemented. He didn't shut that down. He didn't end it. He didn't curtail it. He didn't water it down. He kept it intact, just like he kept his children in cages from he and Barack Hussein Obama's era. Intact. Since gropy Joe Biden took office in January, U.S. border officials have carried out roughly 350,000 expulsions, including nearly 50,000 familia, according to a Times analysis of the latest government data. Many, like Maria, were removed from the United States through what they call lateral flights, hundreds of miles from where they crossed the border, sent in the dark with little warning to what officials are now claiming are some of the most dangerous cities in northern Mexico. (laughs) You shouldn't have crossed illegally. Now, after months of pressure from advocates and lawsuits brought by the American Civil Liberties Union challenging the use of Title 42 against families, as well as an easing pandemic in the U.S., and indications of a leveling off in border crossings. What? There's no level. Well, leveling off at a high level, sure. 170,000, 170,000, I guess that's level. Biden officials have quietly agreed to narrow but substantial changes, among them the end to those lateral expulsion flights and expelling migrants late at night, which supposedly exacerbate their vulnerability to evil Mexican drug cartels. <laughs> Biden officials have issued new guidance to stop flights from the Rio Grande Valley in Texas that transfer and expel migrants into Mexico from El Paso and San Isidro, California, and for agents to abide by existing binational agreements about where and when border removals can occur. This, according to Lee Gelert of the American Civil Libertas Union. Typically, the agreements have dictated handoffs directly between U.S. and Mexican counterparts during daylight hours and only at designated ports of entry. Well, wait a minute. We can only expel them through designated ports of entry, but they can sneak in anywhere the hell they want? What kind of bilateral bullshit is that? For months and months now, the ACLU has put on hold a lawsuit against Title 42 while it tries to negotiate with gropey Joe Biden's officials over plans to ultimately end the policy. Additionally, the administration has agreed to allow several dozen so-called vulnerable migrants into the United States every single day under humanitarian parole. Those people have been identified by the ACLU, by advocates, and by a consortium of non-governmental organizations. Since March, under the ACLU process alone, 2,000-plus family members have been permitted to illegally enter the nation under the Biden administration. Come on in, we're gonna let you in illegally. On Thursday, they agreed to another short extension to the lawsuit moratorium against Title 42. Yet, while Biden administration announced early in February it would no longer expel unaccompanied minors and would review Title 42, officials have refused to give a timeline or metrics for when the policy might be lifted. Gallert of the ACLU sued the Trump administration over Title 42. Neither the lead Justice Department lawyer on the Title 42 lawsuit nor the Homeland Security Department would provide comment. But publicly and privately, Biden officials leaked knowledge that their position is unsustainable. Biden officials have resisted barring expulsions altogether at the border's most dangerous spots, such as areas along the Texas Rio Grande Valley, which is also one of the busiest sectors for illegal invading immigration crossings. And while top officials have agreed to stop those lateral flights, there's no deal on pausing expulsions through bus transfers. They similarly risk spreading COVID-19 in the U.S. and Mexico by continuing to endanger asylum seekers, according to the ACLU. Since March, there have been 117 expulsion flights from Brownsville, Texas and Yuma, Arizona to El Paso and San Diego, removing thousands of families seeking asylum, said Tom Cartwright of witness at the border who monitors those flights. About three hundred fifty migrants a day are moved by bus and expelled in the stretch of Texas across the Rio Grande Valley, but the bus transfers are impossible to track. Biden officials concede that part of their calculation in acceding to narrow changes while keeping the broader Title forty two policy in place is not to try to keep numbers down at the border now, but to buy time to find an alternative when the public health order is lifted either by choice or by force. The Gropey Joe administration has been begging Mexico to take more expelled single adults and families, but their counterparts are citing limited capacity due to a new Mexican law prohibiting the detention of migrant chirins They also face a separate lawsuit in Texas from a group funded by Trump advisor, Stephen Miller, arguing that they are violating the policy by not expelling everyone that would be correct. When you make a rule saying it is illegal to come into the United States of America through any other means than a legal port of entry and get your documents in order and you let one single bambino, one single chica come across illegally, you have violated the law, Mr. Biden. Meanwhile, the United States is reopening from the Wuhan, China novel coronavirus pandemic. More and more cities and states are opening up, lifting mask mandates, lifting social distancing requirements so the health and well-being excuse will not fly much longer. That is when it is time for the Biden administration to either put up or shut up. It's likely they will simply open the border to all the illegal invading migrants who have zero respect for our laws, our borders, or our sovereignty as a nation. As for little Maria, she and her daughter remain in hiding in Tijuana, not for the first time, because in 2019, she illegally crossed into the United States an officials sent them from Texas to California and forced them into Tijuana under the Trump's Remain in Mexico policy. And they missed a court hearing because they claimed they were kidnapped. Okay, sure they were. And now they've been sent from Texas to Tijuana for the second time under Title 42. <laughs> Wah! Wah! Robin Barnard is a lawyer with the Human Rights First organization. Requested that Customs and Border Protection grant Maria and her daughter humanitarian parole to pursue asylum in the United States. Sorry, folks, illegal is illegal. And by allowing an illegal immigrant in now to violate our laws, it gives them carte blanche, an open passport to continue to violate are other laws, and that is the truth. And unfortunately for America, the truth hurts. This is Talk Gumbo with the Right Amount of Spice. You're listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. In one of America's Democrat-run cities that outlaws handguns, guns are illegal. 48 people, including two police officers, were shot. Where? Chicago, Illinois the place where weird Lori Lightfoot, the mayor, rules with an iron, eh, concrete, eh, mushy fist. A violent weekend in Chicago left at least 48 people shot in separate incidents, including two cops who were wounded on Sunday morning when they responded to a shot spotter detection alert, according to authorities. If you're not sure what a shot spotter detection alert is, there are cameras and microphones all over Chicago. In areas labeled Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, for example, and other parts of the Hood, poor AA 13% hyphenated American neighborhoods where gun violence is rampant. They have these microphones that go off and detect the frequency of gunshots and report those to the police. At least five people were killed in that rash of shootings between Friday night and Sunday morning, according to Chicago Police Department incident reports. Police said six children under the age of 17 were among the victims wounded, including a two-year-old girl who was standing in the back seat of a car when she was hit by a bullet fired from another vehicle. Maybe she'd be alive if her mother had her in a child-approved car seat instead of letting her stand up in the back seat while driving. But that's a story for another day. Two 14-year-olds and a 13-year-old were also shot and wounded in separate incidents. Chicago Mayor Weirdo Lori Lightfoot said in a news conference Sunday morning, Let's pray for peace in our city. We've got to put these guns down. We've got to stop the flow of illegal guns into our city. Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown appeared with Lightfoot at a news conference to release details on a shooting around 719 a.m. Sunday that sent two police officers to the hospital with gunshot wounds. One of the wounded officers was hit in the shoulder just above his bulletproof vest. The other was shot in the hand. Both officers were being treated at Mount Sinai Hospital and were listed in good condition. Brown said when the officers arrived in the Lawndale neighborhood on Chicago west side, they spotted a person in an alley. As the officers approached the person, the individual turned around and opened fire without warning, prompting a gunfight. The superintendent said the shooter, whose name was not immediately released, was shot in the lower extremities and was being treated at a different hospital. Lori Lightfoot said, It just underscores the danger our men and women had in the police department they face every day. They run into danger to protect us and we can't never forget that. Brown said the shooting marked the 29th time this year that a Chicago police officers have been shot at. He said six officers have been wounded by gunfire in the first four and a half months of this year alone. And in the past 15 months, he said 16 Chicago police officers have been wounded with another 92 shot at. Police departments later, Computer Statistics on Crime, called CompStat, released a report on May 2nd showing there were 865 shootings in the city in January, February, and March of 2021. And that was a 33% increase over the same time span in 2020 when Donald Trump was president. Hmm. CompStat report shows 195 murders were committed in the city during the first three months of 2021 under Gropey Joe, a jump of 22% over the same period of time from 2020 under Donald Trump. Sunday's episode came amid shootings that erupted across the city that has made guns illegal. Some of the strictest gun laws in the United States of America exist right there in Chicago and yet Shortly after those two cops were wounded, a 13-year-old boy was shot in the head and neck in the McKinley Park area of southwest Chicago. Police said the boy was taken to a hospital in critical condition, was standing on a sidewalk when a car pulled up and one of its occupants just started shooting. No arrests had been made in his shooting either. Notice something missing from this report? They're all African American. They're all 13% AA hyphenated American minorities. Otherwise, if it were white people involved in these shootings—the shooters, that is—you would certainly know that a white person killed a black person. But since it's black-on-black crime, you just get the raw numbers. That child's shooting came after a two-year-old girl was shot riding in the rear seat of a car in the Little Village neighborhood on Chicago's west side. Police said those shots were fired from another vehicle and no arrests have been made in that incident either. Come on, cops. What are you guys doing? The little girl was treated at Mount Sinai Hospital, was listed in good condition, according to police. Two men were killed, three were wounded in a shooting that broke out at a party just after 3 a.m. on Saturday in the Gresham neighborhood on Chicago's south side, according to cops. I've said it before, I'll say it again, nothing good happens after 2 a.m. After an hour of the double homicide, police found an unidentified victim who had been shot in the chest at a gas station in the West Garfield Park neighborhood on the city's west side. That victim was also taken to the hospital where he was pronounced dead also killed over the weekend in chicago was a 32 year old man who was shot in the head just before midnight on friday in the belmont Cragin neighborhood in northwest chicago officers nearby heard the gunshots responded quickly to the scene and arrested an 18 year old suspect they saw attempting to flee the area with a rifle according to a police report at 2:17 p.m on friday a 19 year old man died after being shot in the back during a drive-by shooting on the south side of chicago and no arrests were made in that murder either. Tell me again how black lives matter in Chicago, Mayor Lightfoot. Tell me again how that gun control law is working out for you, Mayor Lightfoot. Tell me again how the Second Amendment should be abolished, Miss Lightfoot. Tell me again how all cops are evil racists and they're killing all the black people, Miss Lightfoot. Tell me again how we need to defund the police, Miss Lightfoot. Tell me again how we need to send social workers into gunfights instead of police officers, Miss Lightfoot. Can't? Common sense getting in the way? I thought so. Steve Zee and the Truth Hurts Program. I just read an article from the Fiscal Times quoting Politico's Ben White, who says, business leaders are confident that they can stop almost all of President Gropy Joe Biden's proposed tax hikes by pressuring moderate congressional Democrats. With business-minded and more centrist members on Democrats' side in both House and Senate chambers, They look at the scope and breadth of these tax increases for the infrastructure and families' plans, and they just find them jaw-dropping. Neil Bradley is the chief policy officer at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, and that's what he told Ben White. From a raw political perspective, it would be a really funky decision for these moderates to say they would be willing to put this much of a wet blanket on an economy that is really poised to take off. Tax hikes, we all know, will absolutely kill an economy. Executives and lobbyists are telling the White House and Mr. White that an increase in the corporate tax rate from 21 to 25% is likely, but Biden's initial calls for raising taxes from 37 to 39.6% in addition to hiking the capital gains tax for the so-called wealthy amongst other high tax proposals are likely to run into opposition from centrist Democrats and we know they will run into opposition from the entire Republican branch. And they argue progressives may be more focused on enacting new spending programs than on pushing through the tax hikes necessary to pay for them. If the business executives are correct, Biden will have to either break his pledge to pay for his massive spending agenda and further swell the deficit, or the more likely scenario, he will have to dramatically scale back his plans, a step that will piss off the progressives the leftists, the socialists, but this is a thing about compromise. The gropey Joe White House has defended Biden's plans, arguing that tax increases are an essential and popular way to pay for much needed investments. Popular? How can you lie, look straight into the camera and say that tax increases are going to be popular? They say there will be an essential and popular way to pay for much needed investments meant to address crucial Structural problems and inequities, and that the tax changes will not hurt the economy. They say this with a straight face, knowing damned well that they are boldface lying to the American people. While Democrats are clearly still grappling with an intra party division and messaging strategy, it is noted that some in the party see a path to passing all of the tax hikes. Going on the offensive about the tax hikes while blaming Republican policies, including the 2017 tax cuts, for economics problems is their solution. But you can't blame Trump because his tax cuts brought in more actual revenue to the federal government. Because, and even they cannot deny it, the economy was churning under Donald Trump. Unemployment was excessively low. Job participation was exceedingly high. Even the AA13% hyphenated minority black African-American community was working at a greater rate than ever before in the history of the nation. Susan Wild is a Democrat representative from Pennsylvania who represents a swing district and reportedly backs Biden's tax hikes. She told Politico, It's important for people to understand this isn't some radical new idea. This is not socialism. This is how do we pay for the things we actually need? she would be incorrect, because 90% of these massive tax-and-spend proposals include things we don't need, but only Democrat, progressive, liberal socialists want. That's the truth. And sometimes, the truth hurts. Steve Zee and the Truth Hurts Program. Conservatives and Republicans, and even centrist Americans, are seizing on backlash against the critical race theory being foisted upon our American youth. Republican candidates in states across the country are seizing on that critical race theory as a talking point in their effort to appeal to cultural conservatives. Ron DeSantis of Florida and Kristi Noem of South Dakota are both Republicans and both potential presidential candidates for 2024. Both of those individuals knocked the lies of critical race theory. Noem actually started a petition on her campaign website to keep critical race theory out of classrooms in her state. Republicans say the issue will likely help galvanize the cultural conservative base in many upcoming elections. Virginia Republican gubernatorial nominee Glenn Yunkin vowed to expel the ap- academic movement from schools there, while GOP Senate candidate Jane Temkin took it on as part of a statewide listening tour. It offers Republicans a great opportunity to educate people about what we actually believe about race, said Terry Schilling, the executive director of the conservative think tank American Principles Project. Schilling said his organization was considering wading into the fight over academic movements by running and testing the effectiveness of ads ahead of the 2022 midterm elections. Republicans are looking to tie Democrats directly to critical race theory, in an effort to paint Democrats as the true radical leftists that they are. If you're not sure what critical race theory is, it was this wacky concept developed in the 1970s and 1980s by a number of American so-called legal scholars who argued that racism is rooted in the nation's founding and that systemic racism continues to have a negative impact on the opportunities and treatment of people of color in all levels of today's society. Opponents wisely say it teaches students to disparage the United States and works to sow racial divisions in classrooms. The only systemic racism in this country is that which was contrived and derived and made up by Democrats and leftists, pushing an agenda to keep minorities voting Democrat. Democrats in general have largely defended the critical race theory movement, arguing it sheds much-needed light on the ways racism still persists in the country. But with programs like Affirmative Action and the Miss Black This and the Mr. Black That and the Black Caucus and the Everything for Black People movement that has literally swallowed this nation whole since Barack Hussein Obama took office, there is very little intelligent argument to be said that minorities don't have advantages in our nation. Companies demanding that they hire a disproportionate number of hyphenated American minorities to fill upper-level jobs just so they can pander to potential customer bases and keep the leftist media off their back are proof that there is no racial disparity in this nation other than the ones swinging the pendulum hard to the left, hard to the blacker side of the white-black equation. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said, it is responsible to teach about systemic racism. When she was asked about a proposal from Republican Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, another potential Republican presidential candidate, when discussing the theory of critical race theory. The debate on the issue has swept across the U.S. with GOP-controlled legislatures in half a dozen states taking up measures to limit or ban the lie of critical race theory in their school systems. Idaho Governor Brad Little is a Republican who signed a bill that would keep funding from schools that taught viewpoints that are often found in critical race theory. The Texas State Senate approved similar legislation and Tennessee State House advanced its legislation on the issue earlier this month. Meanwhile lawmakers in Arizona, Arkansas and Oklahoma are drafting legislation that would combat the lies of critical race theory being taught in classrooms. Republicans are pushing the issue at the federal level with about 30 Republican representatives signaling their support for Representative Dan Bishop of North Carolina's Stop Critical Race Theory Act, which would ban federal employees from having to receive racial equity and diversity training. The debate reached a boiling point on the issue of critical race theory during a tense school board meeting this week in the Washington, D.C. suburban enclave of Loudoun County, Virginia, after the interim superintendent announced he was launching an equity plan. Conservatives say they're unsure of how the issue will play in suburban enclaves, pointing to Democrat successes in those areas in the 2020 cycle. However, the issue is showing its potential to galvanize the conservative base, and some strategists say leaning into critical race theory may not be the right messaging move in growing and diversifying suburban areas, which could play a determining factor in upcoming races. You're a racist, I'm a racist, everyone white is a racist, according to critical race theory and the entire nation and its founding were predicated and based on racism. If the Black-African-American 13% hyphenated minority A community would look at fact and reality and realize that the entire issue of slavery began in their own backyard in Africa, where Black Africans of one tribe conquered Black Africans of another tribe and sold them to Black Africans in the slave trade, who later beat them, tortured them, killed them, raped them, and then sold the survivors into slavery in the West Indies, and then much, much later into the Thirteen Colonies, then those black-African-American 13% double-A hyphenated minority people would understand the truth, that their racism was manufactured from their own families. But they don't want to hear that. They would much rather lie to you and tell you that White men went over to Africa, rounded up black men, and forced them into slavery. Nothing, my friends, could be further from the truth. That is all the time we have for this episode. Go out there and make it a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening. The opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautix. Copyright 2021, The Truth Hurts Network.